Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we've got two very special guests this week. But before we talk to them, let's talk about what happened last week. We've got yet another young gun emerging, taking advantage of a draw where there was no Novak, no Rafa, no Fed, Yannick Center, going all the way to the title last week and taking out Diego Schwartzman, two and two in the final, and probably one of the most impressive performances I've seen of his young career. And now we'll be another under 21 in the top 15 on the ATP side. On the women's side, we see Annette Contevi in Moscow coming back from a set and three love down to take a title and continues her red hot streak since July. We've always known she was deceptively athletic, um, patiently aggressive, but last week was just a great display of her mental fortitude, how you can be a set and three love down and gain point and continue to fight and look up and see yourself in the third set, holding the trophy. Congratulations to Annette Contabi. And now for our first guest two-time Grand Slam champion, one of the most popular Spanish athletes on the cover of Vogue, Garbina Muguruza. She opens up about what it was like to get to a Grand Slam final and lose it, get to it the next year, get to a Grand Slam final and win it, beat Serena Williams with the lob and what it felt like for, to see that ball hang in the air before it finally dropped on match point for her first Grand Slam title. And then it talks about what happens after you win a Grand Slam, the time in between her French Open title and her run to woman in the very next year. What happens? How life changes? How she has been able to, quite honestly, keep it on track through coaching changes, through all the obligations we hear Grand Slam champions talk about. Garbina Muguruza has weathered the storm and been pretty consistently in the top 10. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with one of the greatest players today's era. This is a French Open champion, a Wimbledon champion, a celebrity off the court. I like recently started following you on Instagram and like saw your like photo shoots and stuff. I was like, I didn't know you had that in you. Uh, Garbina Muguruza, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the first time I heard about you was at the French Open. I think we lost in the fourth round that year and I went home. And then I remember the lob in the finals when you beat Serena. I know how like you sit on the side, or as a coach, you sit on the sideline and that ball goes in and you like start gripping your seat and you come up, 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 and like, please go in, please go in. Tell me what you were thinking when the ball was hanging in the air. Well, I love playing lobs. I don't, I don't know why. And that was the, the highest lob I've ever played. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I think everybody was in shock. 
because the umpire wasn't sure Serena was like was it in or not and I you know I was just so nervous and that's the way I won the tournament what a weird way right I know you, you expect like a winner like a, like an ace but who cares I that I got it it was well I think the entire that was the best way because when the whole stadium is in suspense is like it's out it's in it's out it's in and even Serena's like oh it's out <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you wish right uh, yeah. I think that added even more to the suspense. Um, and tell me how life changed after that, because I remember 2017 when Sloan won U.S. Open. The next day it was like life is completely different. Tell me how life changed. Um, honestly, my life um, didn't change because my, you know, my close team and my surrounding didn't change. I definitely felt the, the popularity. Um, but it's something that it didn't has never bothered me. It did it did affect me a little bit in terms of um, being more busy and having to prioritize and you know keep focusing on I'm a tennis player, you know, and I have to focus on that because you know there's a lot of candies here and things <laughs> to do and you know you can easily you know start training less, let's say. Um, but uh, but I don't know I. I it took a long time actually to sink it in and, and realize that I've, that I've won a major. And at the beginning, I was a little bit, I don't know, shocked until I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I did it. And I was seeing like videos and photos. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have a French Open. Like, come on, start, start believing in it. But um, yeah, it, you know, it was a process like, like for everyone, I guess. Because, you know, as a kid, like every kid's like, oh, yeah, I want to turn pro. I want to win a Grand Slam. And then you get there and you're like, oh my God, it's like really happening. And you get kind of like scared, right? And I always used to say, one of my old coaches used to say, fear is false expectations appearing real. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, you know, you, you get the night before and you're like, oh my God, it's kind of like, really, I mean, I know I said I could do it, but I didn't really think I could do it. But now I'm here, so like, I gotta do it. Did you feel like, oh my God, was the night before, how did you feel? I actually didn't doubt a lot because um, I had experienced already a final that I lost in Wimbledon against Serena <clears throat> on 2016. So I knew what, a, what playing a final of a Grand Slam was. And I knew that nobody was going to remember the finalist. Because, you know, everything that matters is the trophy and who wins it. And so I went to that French Open final, you know, against the same opponent, feeling... Um, more confident on that surface. It wasn't, it wasn't grass, it was clay court. I'm like, okay, here I can, I can do more damage. <laughs> and um, I didn't doubt, I was uh, super confident after the whole winning all of the matches. And I, I didn't feel that nervous actually. So, you know, I think like for Americans, the US Open is like the Super Bowl of our sport. Like to be an American win the US Open, uh, you know, the Spanish players own the clay. Do you think that um, winning the French was like sort of the perfect storm because, you know, back where you're from, that's like what you all grew up on. You all like know how to work that clay better than any other country in the world. Yeah, I mean, when you're little and you're practicing in Spain, you know, it's like <laughs> when you're playing the point, they're like, all the coaches would be like, imagine you're playing in French Open. Yeah. Imagine you're there. Imagine this is the match point of Roland Garros. You know, so it's like, it's like, yeah, on an everyday, you know, um, conversation. So I grew up seeing all the Spanish players winning that tournament and, yeah, it was like, if, if I have to win a major, which one would I prefer? Obviously, the French Open <laughs> to start, to start. So you're very versatile in terms of sports. You've had the opportunity to interact with celebrities and sports. So like my brother, my 
all my best friends played in the NBA. And we always ask the question, what was your first big purchase after you like got the bag? A Rolex. Oh. Yes. And now you get them for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was always, uh, since I was little, I was always, you know, uh, my, my whole family loved the brand. And uh, I said, okay, one, one year when I, when I can save some money or I feel like I can do it, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to purchase one. And so that was my, I guess, yeah, the first thing that really, you know, had a special value to me. So now there's a lot of Spanish up-and-coming players. You got Paula Medosa, you got all these young talents. And I think your success has inspired them. Do you have any contact with the next generation? Or do you, do you know the impact that you've had on that class? And how is it now having to, like, compete against them? Like, oh, my God, I don't want to lose this girl. I, I don't know. I hope I had some impact. Um, but I also had it, you know, when I started in the tour and I was playing against, you know, Venus and Serena and Maria and all of these players that I've, that I've watched when I was a junior player. And uh, I also felt like that. And they also had an impact in me. So it would be amazing that for the next gener generation, they can look up to me or learn from what I did good, what I did bad, whatever. But um, yeah, it's great. I think it's a change of generation. Like now I'm seeing like the, the, the US Open final, these young girls, fresh and fearless. And uh, you can start seeing that, okay, I'm, I'm not the young one anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, like there's younger now. Yeah. So I, you know, as a coach, I find it hard when the new generation comes and they're fresh out of their juniors, and they've never played on like Hawkeye courts. It's harder to scout. You don't have like you like try to find old clips on YouTube. Uh, how do you feel now with the young generation? Because it's like a learning process. You know, you got to like see how they play. You get to know how they handle the pressure. Do you feel a little more pressure now playing the young players? Because like you know, like I always see people playing Coco. It's like nobody wants to lose to the young player, right? Yeah. To the baby. You know, there is a certain advantage, and but but it's it's hard because you know sometimes everybody says experience is very important, and it is. But the more experience you have, the more you know, and the more you know, the more you think, right? So, I feel like it's great to have the experience because you know how to handle things, and you're you know more mature. But at the same time, I'm like sometimes I wish I was like younger and more unconscious of everything. You know, you think less, you just go out there, play, and give it all, and that's it. But um, yeah, you definitely never want to lose to a younger player. But um, <laughs> but this is tennis, so if they if they have a, a good day at today's level, you're you're home. You go out. Yeah. <laughs> go to the next tournament. Totally. Yeah. So you're one of the people who have been able to win a slam and then win another slam. And you know, when I look at the the new generation of like Grand Slam champions having seen what happens afterwards, I worry for them, right? And I'm mm -hmm. like, oof, yep. here's what's gonna happen, how are they gonna handle it, right? What advice, having successfully gotten to a final, won a slam, then won one within after that, what advice would you give to a first time Grand Slam champion? Well, I think you're so right that, uh, you know, it can be the, the beginning of everything or the end, you know, because uh, it's just, it gets, you can be so affected by the success and there is nothing harder than to manage success but also not success you know the, the they're both are so difficult and fragile to just to deal with it um i felt i can only speak about myself no but um i mean it was a process i have to say i went through ups and downs also i believe that if i could do it once i could do it again 
So I was super sure that I can do it. You know, if I want a major, I can win two and I can win three. It's just putting the puzzle together and working hard and it will come. But um, yeah, I wasn't 18 when I won my first Grand Slam. I think that helps. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, definitely it's very important to have a good team around you, a team that keeps you where you have to be. So you now have like the recipe on how to set yourself up for the weeks. In order to be successful, I need this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. What are those things? All right, and it's obviously the team's job to like set it all up. It's the coach's job to find mm -hmm. a perfect practice route. We don't want to practice with that person. She's not gonna like that kind of ball, right? Yeah. What are sort of your cues to setting yourself up mm -hmm. to have a successful sort of tournament? Well, the recipe, I mean, I wish I had it, I guess, perfectly, <laughs> but I think it just, you, you gotta do your homework, you gotta prepare well. Um, that's for sure, no matter what you're doing, um, that gives you that um, confidence of having done your job, or at least what you can control. I feel like you gotta work also on your mental side, you know, you gotta go through all of those days that you don't feel to train, and all of those moments where you're like, oh, I, I wish I, I wanna go to the mall, or whatever. Um, so you, you have to you have to feel like you've done your your part once you go to the tournament because once you're there it's just about handling the nerves and handling your energy you got to be fresh for your when you when the match starts and not empty already um, but yeah I mean I, I don't feel I have the recipe because <laughs> then you have to execute that one thing is to get ready but th then the other part is to go out there and execute everything you've been working. So that's the hard part. Sometimes you have to find ways and sometimes you don't find them and you get, you know, you know how it is, it's, it's hard. Yes. So talking about the recipe, I'm gonna ask you just some questions because the fans wanna get to know you. So hotel or Airbnb? Um, <laughs> well, it really depends, but I would, say, I would say hotel. Roof open or closed? Open. Wimbledon, court 18 or court three? Court three. <laughs> I thought you were going to say neither stadium, right? Neither. <laughs> you have to choose between these two, court right. three. <laughs> uh, bananas or bars? Bananas. Here's the one. Breakfast at Wimbledon or breakfast in Asia? Breakfast in Wimbledon or in Asia? I actually love Asian food, but, but because it's so special in Wimbledon. I go for Wimbledon. Okay. It's, like, it's like an experience. Okay, team dinner or eat solo? Team dinner. On the airplane, sit together or separate? Separate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't have to answer this one. You could say another drink. Gatorade or Powerade? Oh, uh, Gatorade. I have a choice. People, people are like, yeah, either one. Hawkeye or Real Bounce? I think Hawkeye, that, that's technology. Come on, let's support technology, Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite tournament that's not a Grand Slam? Mm, favorite tournament, that's hard. There is many nice tournaments. Um, I'm thinking. Favorite tournament, let's say, so let's say Indian Wells. Come on, that's, oh, a, that's a beautiful Wales. tournament, Indian Wells. All right, and my last one is, the one player when the draw was being made, you're like, please let me play this girl. Who's the one player that oh, just- Oh, I can't say that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. I, not even my coach, I think, knows that. <laughs> I, I keep it for me. Uh, There's no way I'm sharing uh, that, I'm sorry. 
I respect that. You don't want to give them an air. They're yes. like, ah, she doesn't like playing me. Hey. <laughs> so thank you for joining the show. It's been fun having you. This is like one of the few times we've had like a verbal. Yes, you were always in the other side. Always on the other side. Like. Always in the competition side. So. <laughs> Hello and goodbye. And, uh, <laughs> well, it was good to, good to talk to you and thank you for coming. Thank you. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And now let's talk about our next guest, Andrea Pekovich. She is a veteran on the tour. She is a leader in the locker room. She is a model for what it's like to be a professional in every aspect of the game. And quite frankly, she's a model for what it's like to also have a healthy um, career off the court in terms of having hobbies and interests that keep you distracted and give you a place to go when you need to get away from the game but things that you can do while you're traveling. She's somebody that I I always enjoy talking to from time to time, having a beverage with. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed the advice she gave to young players coming up and just her real down to earth, healthy perspective on the game, life, and what's next for her. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are here with a veteran, a fan favorite in multiple places around the world. She's had the pleasure of playing in multiple eras and is a, a person people look to to mentor and for advice, Andrea Pekovic. Thank you for having me. Although veteran and multiple eras, you already put me down in two seconds. That's okay. <laughs> so, well, let me tell you, it's not a put down because that's just more time on tour means bigger fan base. Yeah, that's true. When I was coaching, people would call me, hey, can you give me a picture with Pekovic? <laughs> like a picture with me and Pekovic to send to you? Like, no, a picture of her by herself. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's creepy. I'm not going to ask her for a picture. So you, you, can, you can tell them, you know, there's a thing. It's called Google Pictures. I know, right? <laughs> so I get requests about you and Georgie. Oh, really? Yes. How interesting. And we are nothing alike, <laughs> me and Georgie. <laughs> hey, how does Georgie look in person? I was like, yeah, the same. It's on TV, you know? <laughs> Um, so we were talking already. We can just, you know, whatever. So uh, we were just talking about how you had the pleasure of playing in multiple eras. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make you feel old. A little old, but it's okay. I'm still, you know, inside of me, I still have a fountain of youth that is welling up every now and then. And you just won a title. So clearly the fountain of youth is like there. Yeah, it's, I'm in the, my fourth spring <laughs> <laughs> of my tennis career already. So like... To have a long career like that, I mean, one of the things when I look at you, mm -hmm. I think about, number one, professionalism. Number two, positivity. Mm -hmm. And like I always tell you, you're like an adult. And you're like, well, what do you mean I'm an adult? It was like <laughs> the depth of the conversation that you have just on a whim is hard to come by, right? In a, in a sport full of, you know, young people. Um, so what do you think has been the key to you having such a long and successful career, not just long, but long and successful? 
well, there are, I think there are a few things. I think resilience is one big part of it because if you have a career that's so long, there will be downs, there will be valleys that you have to go through. And I think in that moment, if you just stick with it, uh, and that's the best advice. Sometimes girls ask me, uh, younger girls ask me like, how did you come back after your injuries? Or how did you get back to the highs after all these setbacks? And it's kind of really simple and really hard at the same time. Just keep doing it, just stick with it. And that's, I think, the hardest thing because I've seen many of my colleagues that were around my age, a little younger, a little older, that have retired now and I'm still playing. And <laughs> I was ready to retire too, but then something inside of me still wanted to do this, what I love most, and it's tennis. I love playing, I love competing. I think that's also maybe a difference. There are a lot of girls who love playing tennis, but sometimes the competition can be like a war of attrition after a while and after so many years. And I still thrive in this competitive environment. I love to, um, I love the tough moments and matches. I love the stress and, uh, and I think that's what, what keeps me going. But, um, but yeah, I know it's not, not a thing that lasts forever and it makes me sad at the same time sometimes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we've seen Kim Kleischer's like retire and come back three mm -hmm. times. So how many times have you considered retiring? <laughs> And did like boredom bring you back or you, or you just said the competitive, but how many times you sit home and say, eh, I want to go do photography now? Well, <laughs> I wish I could make nice photographs. My Instagram would be better, I guess. <laughs> but I had two, I think, big moments and I talked to a lot of my colleagues and I think a lot of them had it. And it's when a woman turns around 28, 29 as a tennis player, I think that's the first time you sort of have to ask yourself questions that you maybe haven't asked yourself before. And that's like, do I want a family? Biology is kicking into play. You start to get a little more tired. Um, I felt when I was 28, 29, I all of a sudden felt this strange, um, strange new, I had these strange new thoughts. Oh my God, I missed everything in my life. I had no youth. I had no partying. I had no crazy college phase. I can't be a doctor anymore. I can't be a lawyer anymore. All these strange thoughts came to me when I was 28, 29. And that was probably the time when I was closest to retiring. Um, and then I took a, a month off. I just spent the month in New York. It's one of my favorite cities. I sort of did everything that I could do um, when I'm not on tour, you know, go to bed when I want, drink a beer when I want, <laughs> not, you know, not have to eat gluten-free, sugar-free, whatever. I just did whatever I wanted. And after a month, I was okay. And then I came back and I was fresh again. And once I think overcame that, um, that was great. And then the last three, four years, I was close just because my knee was not great. And that's really hard, I think, when you're uh, somebody like me who loves to be professional and who loves to do everything they can each day to be in the best spot to perform well if your body doesn't allow you to do this. And that was really tough for me. I could practice well for two weeks and then I had three, four days when my knee would swell up. And so during the pandemic, I had the opportunity to have a little procedure done. And since then, that's my fourth spring. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain of since youth. then, exactly, my knees are much better. The inflammation has settled a little bit. I, um, I have more range. I can flex it better and stretch it better. So um, I think that's why also I was able to win another title this year and play well again. So you talked about you taking that month off to sort of just regroup and just mm. have a normal life. And now, you know, you read now about like the younger players or mm. some of them are struggling with mm. the you know, press or just the pressure and that kind of thing. Um, 
is that something you would advise them to do? Because it's kind of hard, right? You got mm -hmm. now in the contract, you have minimum play requirements. Mm -hmm. You got premier mandatory. You have mm -hmm. all these things where it's like, no, you got to play, yeah. right? Even if you're not ready to play. You know, what is your recommendation to some of these young players who, you know, are feeling like overwhelmed mm. a lot more easily? Well, you know, I think the curse of humanity in general is just that we, um, the experience we have as humans would have really helped us when we are young and have the body and physiques to do all the things that we want to do. And then when you have the experience, the mental experience of putting things into perspective, that's when your body starts to decline. And if you can find a sweet spot somewhere there, that's perfect, right? But um, so I know how these younger players are feeling because I've been there in the same position when I was 22, 23. And once you're older, you know that it's really only up to you. You don't have to play the mandate, even if it's mandatory. And yes, it will drop a few spots in the rankings, but it doesn't in the end, it doesn't matter. Um, because in the long run, if you think about what's going to be in five years and six years, if you're happy, you're still going to play tennis. And if you're as talented as these young girls, ah, you will still be in the top. It, you don't have to be three or five or seven right now if you can be that for 10 more years if you take a break now. But this is something you know when you're older and this is something that you know when you've experienced all the ups and downs. And so it's just what, uh, what I think that's just part of, of being young and being unexperienced and just going through life with, um, you know, taking everything at face value and everything is so overwhelming. You just have to get through it. And I hope these young players do. Um, I know that they have more skills than we did back then. I think meditation, mental strength, people who help you with that are much more common than it used to be when I started playing 10, 12 years ago. There was no such thing. We just sort of had to get through it and uh, swim through the crap in a way. <laughs> and um, But now they have more... I think possibilities to work on that and I hope they use all these opportunities that they have. I have a plumber so my plumber every time something goes wrong in my house I always he doesn't have a car I pick him up and I say why don't you do this and why don't you do that and his response to me for 10 years has been all the same he says keep living youngster. <laughs> so that's kind of like when, when you, as you were talking I was thinking about you know the, the young generation how they like they kind of know everything and now mm -hmm. you're looking back like yeah Keep yeah. living. You'll realize it's not that important. Well, I think also this, uh, what's really interesting, I, I remember when I was 18, 19, 20, it's a really interesting um, mental state that you're in because at one, um, on one side you think you're invincible and the world belongs to you and you're the queen or the king of the world and every, everyone should bow to you. <laughs> on the other hand, you have so little knowledge compared to what you will acquire over the course of the coming years, but you don't know that. So I think um, this tension between thinking you're on top of the world and that things go wrong is really hard to come by. And that's something that what's being an adult all about, I think combining this thing of still believing in oneself, but also acquiring this humility that you need to go through life in a certain kind of, um, of just taking things as they are and accept them and make the best out of it.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you've had a chance to play with great players. The Kleister Zera yeah. of the past, the, the Elena Jokic, you got Sharapova. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about a couple different eras. Yeah. <laughs> Who from that era uh, did you just sort of could never figure out? It was like <laughs> I played her 10 times and she beat me all 10 times. Yeah. But then she lose to somebody that I'd always beat. Who from that era like gave you trouble? Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two anecdotes to this, or not anecdotes, but two things to this. So two players I was never able to beat, but I was always very close were Radvanska and Halep. And all of my matches against them went three sets, and I always lost 7-5, 7-6 in the third. <laughs> and the funny thing about that is that I'm not even that mad about it because the reason why I lost is because I feel, or I think that's like part of my personality is that I think when it's an important moment, I want to take responsibility and I want to go for the shots. And both of these players, Radwanska and Halep, are the opposite of me, <laughs> where they are like, okay, this is an important moment. I'm not going to give her anything. Right. So these two things are not really working <laughs> well together because I was going for things. So I, there is nothing I can really tell myself that I did wrong. I went for my shots, but because they were so endurant and more, more solid than I was, um, they would always beat me in these tight moments. So that's one thing. And the other thing, I had two matches in all of my career where I felt if I, even if I had played the best tennis that I was able to play that day, I still would have lost. And that was against Serena when she was going for the Grand Slam. I played her in Toronto in the, um, in the upcoming tournament mm-hmm. to her final feat was supposed to be at the US Open. She then lost to Vinci, but I played her in the first round and I played okay. I didn't play great. I played okay. I lost 6-2, 6-2, but throughout the whole match, the feeling was even if I played my best today, I will have no chance. This is how my, many levels above she is ab- above me, right? That was a really weird feeling because I've never had that before. And then the other time was against Naomi Osaka in Beijing when she won. I had qualified and I was playing really well actually. And the same result, I lost 6-2, 6-2. And I played again, okay, not great, but okay. And I still felt like if I play the greatest tennis of my life, I will st- still not be able to lose. And funnily enough, I don't know, I mean, you've been around, maybe you'll believe me. Every other match I always felt one opening at one point. Sometimes I went through it, sometimes I turned it around, sometimes I managed to win the matches, sometimes not. But you have every, in every match, no matter how easy you lose it, there is an opening. There is a tension you feel the other player go through. There is something where you can still turn it around. Not with Serena and Naomi, those were the two matches I didn't feel like I could win no matter how I played. So is that what keeps you going today? I mean, I still enjoy watching you play. I actually enjoy all the people that come to watch you play and how they're like <laughs> gazing at you. And then you walk toward and give me a hug, oh, what's up? And I, right? They're all jealous because I got a kiss on the cheek from Pecto, right? So is that what not keeps- Not during Corona. I know, right? Not during Corona, it's like fist bump. Yeah. But is that what keeps you going? Like the belief that other than maybe one or two players, like today, like a Halep in Osaka, mm-hmm. that everybody else you feel like, on a good day, if I'm healthy and playing well, mm. you got a chance. Is that what keeps you 
go? I think it's part that, it's part the feeling that I have when I walk on a court and there is a great audience and it's a beautiful court and it's, um, it, I feel like there is a sort of energy that combines everyone involved and it's not only the players, it's the um, the chair umpire, it's the linesmen and women, it's the ball boys, it's the audience. There is some kind of energy that um, that transpires when everyone is in the match and is playing. It's like we're all one big ball of energy in that moment. And this is something that, because I have done other things in life, I know there there is no such thing in any other way of life, I think at least. And... Um, and the fact that I'm so competitive that I still want to win, and if I feel like I can, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna give give up. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I think keeps you so humble uh, and helps you sort of stay out here and travel the world is your off-court activities, your <laughs> photography, your writing. Tell us one thing about yourself. So like when you retire, you're gonna do more of this. Well, I think I'm probably going to be a writer. It comes very, very easy to me. I do some TV stuff back at home, and that comes quite easy to me too, but it's not as fun to me. Strangely, I don't know why. I, I know I do it well, and I know I'm good at it, but it's just, um, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I just don't feel 100% fulfilled when I do it. And with writing, it's a whole different thing. It's maybe the only other thing besides tennis where I feel oh, this is what I'm meant to do in a way. And strangely enough, more than tennis, because tennis was always also work for me. I'm not the most natural gifted player in the world. Uh, I have certain gifts and I have certain talents. Um, not all of them involve feeling for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them do, not all of them. And, and it's a really weird feeling to have something else like writing that comes so natural to me and I don't have to do it for months and if I sit down and write an article I know it's maybe not the best that I can write but it's still better than a lot of others and uh, it's a strange feeling that's how probably somebody like Serena must have felt <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know but just to have something come so natural to you that you don't have to work so hard at to to uh, to master is is uh, really interesting so I think that's going to be something I will do in the future more well, thank you for <laughs> sitting down with me. Thank you. Um, I always enjoy watching you play. I root for you. I love seeing you come dressed down for dinner because you like got so much fashion and swag. <laughs> it's like it's like you are like a New York Soho kind of girl. Yeah, fashion. Fashion. <laughs> so good luck for the rest of thank the year. You so much. Keep the career going. We want you out here as long as possible to help the next generation. Yes. Thank you, Kamal. Thank you. <laughs>